Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of An Evolved Review. I am your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and as always, I am joined by none other than the man that watches more wrestling content than anyone in the known universe, Caleb Stovall. How's it going, man? <laughs> hey, what's going on, man? Man, what you been up to? I know we had a little break. Uh, we got we got a bunch of stuff to talk talk about, but I know uh, that you have been telling me uh, that you have a specific podcast that you've been checking out while we, or, or that you're looking forward to checking out, rather. Yes, yes. Um, I just found out about this. Uh, I think it was this past week or something like that uh, as we are recording. But uh, I'm a member of the ad free shows thing. And I also follow, you know, a lot of the Conrad uh, podcast because a lot of them are just really, really good in general. And um, they announced that he has another new podcast coming and it is going to be with none other than Jeff Jarrett. Oh wow. Yeah, that's yes. that's gonna be impressive. You know, Jarrett's yes. a talker. He has a lot of stories. It's gonna be called My World. Uh Nat- <laughs> so naturally. Yeah. So it's probably gonna have uh his TNA theme song uh in it, I I guess as the opening theme song or something like that. Um, you know, obviously and uh well Sorry. <laughs> On ad free shows, um, they had uh, Conrad and Jeff Jarrett do kind of a Q&A thing about what it was going to be like. And um, it pretty much is what I think it's going to be, which is what I'm excited about. And that is that they're going to go through all of Jeff Jarrett's career and whatnot. Yes, they're going to go through his WCW, the time where he supposedly held up Vince McMahon for money, um, all that sort of stuff, even his like uh, early days in uh, Memphis uh, wrestling and stuff like that. Uh, but then it's going to talk about what I am most looking forward to, and that is obviously uh, TNA. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Jarrett has uh, an incredible perspective on, you know, TNA since his inception, I think, and and probably a perspective that nobody else has. So that's going to be incredible. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to it so much uh, because I'm so sick and tired of every time, like, I hear Bischoff and Bruce Pritchard talk about TNA. It's almost like they're bashing just almost anything and everything that they, if they weren't involved in it, that is. Right. Yeah. It, the stuff they were personally involved in was gold. Yeah. We all know. Right. And uh, just like know, everything that Vince Russo was involved in was always gold. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I, I that's another thing I am interested in hearing about on this podcast is, you know, you know there's going to be questions of Vince Russo that come up because, you know, they worked together half of his career and stuff like that. So that's going to be interesting, too. I can't wait to see it. But I'm just excited about this podcast. This is probably going to dominate my playlist of podcasts and stuff like that. Well, that sounds good. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it. We'll definitely circle back around once uh, we've had a chance to listen to it. But but listen, so the, the next couple of weeks, uh, probably the next two months, uh, we're going to be covering what we're talking about right here tonight, as you can see it on the screen if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, but this is going to be the uh, coverage of the A&E original uh, biography series about the WWE legends. And yeah. tonight we're going to talk about the very first episode that aired, which is the um, Stone Cold Steve Austin episode. 
Um, I think it's very smart for them to start with this one because Stone Cold is one of the most famous people on earth. That being said, uh, before we get into the weeds, I, I do want to say that we had an incredible experience. This is not the first episode that we got to see. Um, very shortly, we're going to be putting out our uh, Booker T episode. We actually got to go to the premiere of this. We got to um, get a little championship belt, which we're calling the Evolved Review Championship. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have it with me, but I promise it will make an appearance uh, here shortly on one of these episodes. Oh, you are not prepared. <laughs> At, so actually, it's out. It's actually out in the car. It's I had to put it away because I didn't want it to get damaged as I was transporting like half of my belongings uh, back to Thompson for the show <laughs> this last weekend. Uh, don't okay. want to get into all of that, uh, but still, uh, we had an incredible experience. We got to go see the very first episode that uh, I guess that aired anywhere, which was the Booker T one. We got to go to this awesome drive-in theater. Everything was WWE'd out. It was just such a great experience so we're gonna have an early review of that very cool uh very awesome thing that we got to do there yes um, but tonight we're gonna be talking about the very first episode that aired you can watch this episode if you haven't seen it it's really good uh if you have a and e you can watch it on there uh if you have a, a valid like cable login you can watch it uh, on there as well you can also watch the a and e uh watch it for free on the a and e app even if you don't have a valid login um, I have a Shield TV, which is an Android device, and I watched uh, I watched it on there. So I grabbed the A and E app, and I was able to watch it for free on there. It is ad supported, but I couldn't really find anywhere else that that had it. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, I don't have I don't have Hulu. You have to have the Hulu Plus Live TV, I think, right? Um, no, uh, uh-uh. all you have to do is have a Hulu account, and you can watch it. Um... I guess for like the regular price and stuff like that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, uh, that's good to know then I actually have Hulu and I could have just done that, but uh, that's what I'll do next. Um, <laughs> so this was a good, uh, good thing for them because, so this came on Sunday night, uh, which would have been the 18th. Yeah. Um, this came on on the 18th and they actually were number six across all cable networks on Sunday night. Um, which Stone Cold Steve Austin is used to not dominating the ratings, right? Um, they, the two-hour special aired at 8 p.m., and it drew just a little over a million viewers. So you got to think about that. This is a documentary special, and it still drew more than most of... It, it still drew more than NXT or AEW is drawing on a regular basis. And it's just a documentary about one yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, so... Just to get started, what's your, what's your like overall thoughts about this? Doc, you know, their choice to go with Steve Austin first, and then just your overall thoughts on the presentation of this episode. Oh, I loved it from start to finish. Um, the opening to me could not have been any more perfect to his documentary, which is you know uh, who is Steve Austin, the performer versus Steve Austin, the wrestler, and he just literally just goes. I don't know if there is a difference really. And I was just like, Oh, like I knew like when I saw that opening, I was like, okay, this is going to be amazing. Uh, right off the bat. Um, I loved it. Uh, and, and stuff like that. It's not surprising to me though, that this drew more eyeballs than, you know, dynamite and, uh, um, 
you know, NXT and Raw and anything modern right now because, again, that was just such a pivotal time in the wrestling business. You know, people could say the Attitude Era or whatnot, but the Monday Night Wars in general, man, I mean, they changed the business forever. The business has never been the same since those two companies went to war, basically. I mean, they basically have world war for wrestling. <laughs> That's right. basically what it was. But people just don't, I, I think people just forget how big it was back then. I, and, and I mean, they touched on it. Stone Cold Steve Austin was not just a wrestling superstar. No, right. he was a pop cultural icon. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like Jer- I think Jericho said it the best, and we'll definitely get into this later on a, a bit more but you know jericho said it on broken skull sessions uh, just recently right after wrestlemania you know to have somebody like a andre or a hogan or a cena or somebody like that is one in a million they were lucky enough to have two at the same time in the rock and stone cold and i like that this documentary and and this is this will be common throughout these uh this documentary series i think we always see this all through the wwe lens it's always what was important and what was special to the WWE, right? It's never really about the person. Because if this was about, if I think if WWE had done this documentary, first off, I don't think you get that opening, very candid look where he's like, oh, hell, I don't know. You know, yeah. I don't know the difference. I, think, I don't think WWE goes to that. Secondly, I think WWE would spend a lot more time on, okay, well, then, you know, this is where he went and faced Bret Hart. And there was this big double, you know, double turn in that match. And then the next time, you know, Mike Tyson got involved. And, you know, the, we've just seen it over and over again. You know, they right. were talking about the Shawn Michaels thing, the DX thing. And this focused solely on Steve Austin uh, or Steve Williams and, you know, just like his journey and what was important to him, not necessarily what was important to the business. And that's why I think that this is going to be a unique perspective because WWE has done a special on all these guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um and, and that was the thing, you know, I don't have to analyze Austin at all to know that what he is saying is pretty much the truth. Like I don't have to question it. Like he's very honest. You can tell that. He has no problem telling it like it is, which was exactly how Stone Cold did it. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, Stone Cold not only changed the business from a character standpoint and everything, he changed those rules that you're not supposed to do. Like, baby faces were never supposed to break the rules, to cuss, to do anything else. They were supposed to be Superman, squeaky clean, you know, and everything like that, like Hulk Hogan and stuff like that. And Steve Austin... He got over by being a heel. He's like really the first one to do it other than the NWO. Well, and the thing about it with Austin, though, is he was doing things that you... He wasn't necessarily being a heel, but he was doing things that babyfaces weren't supposed to do. Yeah, the, exactly. the NWO were absolutely being completely heels. You know, they were cheating constantly and things like that. Austin, on the other hand, just didn't give a damn. Yeah, right? Exactly. And, and, you know... Like the the closed fist punches is one of the things that that's finally now I think getting a little bit out of the 
back out of the industry, but in it, for probably 15 years after Austin left, you would see, you know, because everything that's at the top reverberates all the way down through the Indies, right? You would have baby faces throwing these closed fist punches constantly. And, yeah. and kind of the, it, it kind of changed the wrestling mindset of like, th- that's even a thing. Like a lot of people just didn't even remember that throwing a closed fist punch was illegal in a wrestling match. Yeah. And it was something that a heel should do. Um, we talked extensively about, you know, Ring of Honor's pure rules, and that's something that they helped reintroduce. I think today you see a lot more baby faces throwing forearms and chops and things like that rather than what Stone Cold would do, which was come out there and beat you senseless with his fists. Yeah. And, and you know, that's so funny because even wrestling fans, you know, wrestling, a lot of wrestling fans, especially in today's market, uh, prefer the five star, you know, Kenny Omega, dare I say it, um, Okada type fights and whatnot, or the six stars or whatnot. But, you know, it's funny because Stone Cold Steve Austin has a five star match. And it really wasn't that technical. Yeah. Whatsoever. And, and you know, I, I mean, I'm glad that they didn't really go into it, but I will never forget that feud with Bret Hart because it was incredible. The whole, first of all, that was a whole different dynamic in and of itself because, you know, you had Bret Hart, who was a heel over here in the USA, but he was a face. Like he was, you know, God basically in Canada and, I mean, and elsewhere in the world. A lot of people yeah. forget that Bret Hart was an internationally traveled guy. Uh, yeah. You know, people talk about us Canada a lot. Okay. Bret Hart was kind of, he was one of the, I think the last people to really tour internationally, like the way that like Ric Flair did or, um, you know, people before him or the way like a Bruno San Martino would have done. Yeah, um, Bret Hart was a global phenomenon, and then once kind of the Attitude Era started, the WWF would still do overseas tours, but they mostly it was mostly like you're now working for the company, you know. So and so's you know territory in Uzbekistan isn't calling you up and going, "Hey, we want the WWF champion to come here and wrestle a match or whatever." Yeah, you know that's not happening anymore. Oh yeah, it, um, exactly. And Bret was. You know, he, he he was big over there, but yet he was hated in the USA, and it made for this very interesting storyline. Also made for a very unique pay-per-view uh, when they did uh, Canadian Stampede. You know, that that's probably one of the most unique pay-per-views I've ever seen in my life because, you know, all of these bad guys basically are getting this massive, huge reaction but even though they still tried to make Stone Cold the bad guy over there in Canada, they still cheered for him. I yeah. mean, everyone just resonated with him. It, you know, and here was the thing. Here was what I loved about Stone Cold Steve Austin that no one seems to do nowadays. He never came out there. It was just like, this is my dream to be a pro wrestler. Right. Blah, blah, blah. I'm living my dream. Please be happy for me and everything like that. Like, so many people do that. And it's like, we get it. You're living the dream. What are you doing with it now? You know, kind of thing. And he never had to do that. He was just literally, everyone knew he was living his dream, but everyone wanted to take that ride with him. 
the 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 uh, infamously terrible Tony Deppin uh, pure tournament promo. <laughs> my wife and my kids are at home and they're rooting for me. And yeah, yeah, we don't have to we don't have to get into all of that. But but yeah, I mean, you never saw you never saw him do that. And he was right. a character that people believed in, right? Because you know he got to go to work and kick the shit out of his boss, which is something that. You know, you're lower and middle class American, or really right. in, in any country, can relate to that. Oh yeah, you know, and if, if any of us could get away with it, well, we'd kick our boss in the face at least one time. Oh yeah, I'm sure we would. But he got to do it, you know, every night. And dude, I'm going to tell you right now, I love going back and watching a lot of the Attitude Era stuff. And it's not for the reasons that everyone says it is. Oh, it was so edgy, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just because a, every segment that Austin was in and a lot of the other stuff is, I'll have to admit, some of the best stuff I've ever seen written for television. Right. Like, And, and a lot of that, too, though, I, I, goes back to ECW, that one promo that they aired, and you never see this in any of the WWE stuff, because in all the WWE stuff, they want to act like it was completely their idea. But if Paul Heyman doesn't, Paul Heyman brings a completely useless to him guy onto his program who's injured, can't do anything. I just want you to come talk. I guess he's, well, you know, because he worked with him in WCW. Right. He, um, you know, Austin became part of the dangerous uh, alliance which could have been so much bigger than what it was but it's wcw you know back then they didn't really didn't know what they were doing uh and stuff like that so i am guessing during that time period paul got to knew or paul got to know i should say austin and i'm guessing he saw it before anyone else yeah, that's paul Heyman does exactly like like he probably was spending a lot of time with him and was just like there's something there and I can bring it out and stuff like that. So, and, and, and but well, here's the thing, uh, you know, cause they did the Austin uh, documentary uh, for WWE, obviously his WWE one. And they did mention that promo. Like they, they mentioned that. I, I don't think they put emphasis on that particular right. promo. They don't highlight it as the catalyst for what would become the Texas rattlesnake. Exactly. And that, and that's, that's the difference to me because really that promo does it. He doesn't cut that promo. We aren't sitting here and talking about this today. True. Speaking of things that would prevent us from sitting here talking about this. Uh, so, uh, Mick Foley said that best, you know, they're talking about the possible names that they had for Austin. Um, and these were horrible. I mean, I'd never heard these before. I mean, when he came in as the ringmaster, that was cool, right? That that that's a cool thing, but like, is it but, though? Yeah, I think it is, especially for that time. But I mean, the thing when they were, you know, Ice Dagger, and I mean, some of these were just awful. Bang McFrost, <laughs> yeah, Otto oh. von Ruthless, yep, Otto von Ruthless, Chili McFreeze. <laughs> that last one, that's awful. I mean that just goes to show you, you know, I was I was I was listening to them rile those names off and I was like 
has WWE creative just always been just as bad as it is today? It's just that the talent won't stand up to them anymore. I, is, that, is that what it is? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up. If, if they debuted a character on Raw on Monday called Chili McFreeze, I wouldn't bat an eye. <laughs> and the fact of that he got this idea, um, which I wanted to get your take on, because I, I he's mentioned this before. He went into a little bit more detail, and they actually showed some footage of it. But he got the idea for this character while watching the serial killer documentary for Richard Deklinski. Right. Um, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that, you know, like, because you've been in the wrestling business for a long time, a lot longer than I have and stuff like that. You know, a lot of the guys behind the curtain, do they, you know, a lot of the times these days come up with their characters while watching movies and, you know, other stuff and uh, whatnot? Yeah, I mean, everybody draws inspiration from the things that they like. Right. Right. The You take a look at... So it's, it's, it's pretty famous now. It's all over the place. Look at the Darius Lockhart promo uh, from Viral Pro Wrestling from last week. Right? Just came out. Um, if, if, you need, if you're watching this and, and you're not familiar with them... Check out the Viral Pro Wrestling Facebook page, and it's on there, right? When you look at that promo, if you if you sit and think about it, the mannerisms, the way he speaks, it's Denzel from Training Day, but as a wrestler, right? Um, somebody else said it's like if Thanos hosted Soul Train, which <laughs> I I thought was hilarious. That's great. Uh, you look at uh, so so you go. You know, go on up. New Jack, right? He talks about how he got the name from New Jack City. Yeah. There's always things that are in your life, whether they're entertainment-based or not, that you're going to draw that inspiration from for your character. So everybody says this a million times, you know, ever since Austin and Rock, everybody, you know, loves to spew out that line of like, the gimmick is just that guy, but blown way up. There's an element to that that's, it's all of your life experiences put together and it's the things that you like and enjoy. And you're going to draw a little bit from that. Right. Right. Um, just like it, like with the rock, it's hard because he's such a unique person, right? It's, it's so hard to envision anything, you know, being his inspiration, but, but there it is. Um, so yeah, I mean today it definitely still happens whether they're drawing that inspiration from wrestlers that came before them or whether they're drawing it from something in the entertainment industry or the music industry. Um, you know, it, it comes down to theme music, right? It's rare that somebody is going to pick theme music that they wouldn't listen to on their own. Right. You know what I'm saying? Almost to a fault sometimes, but I don't have time to, I don't have time to go out on that rant. <laughs> we, 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 be on we, yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, we just don't have time. But I love like when they showed some of the Richard Deklinski shots and you saw Richard Deklinski like walking. Did that not look like how Austin walked? And that walk is so important to his character. Yes. When, and and this is something that I try to get the guys I work with all the time now. Like everybody wants this long 
epic intro to their music, right? I mean, the average, right, for a, a, a wrestle on the indies is a 10 to 30 second lead in. 10 to 30 seconds. <laughs> okay, for like a big match or something, like like WrestleMania or whatever your company's biggest show is, you know, you've had this long feud and this is the blow-off match. Sure, cool. Do something spectacular. Have this special long drawn-out entrance. But if you got 30 seconds on the end of, on the beginning of your entrance music, people the first time people will pay attention to it. After that, every time you come out they're like, "This guy's got a 30-second intro." I got time to go to the bathroom or I got time to be on my phone or whatever. And you've lost them right off the, off the bat. You have yeah. put yourself in a terrible situation with, they say this all through this interview and it's so absolutely true. When that damn glass hit, you knew he was coming out of that curtain 90 miles an hour. Yeah. When that glass, it was like, it was like he was standing in gorilla and he just could not wait for the, for the music to hit. So he could storm through that curtain. Yeah. And it made people pay attention, and it made people believe him. And I always today try to get guys, you know, to do something like that, where it's like, find something where as soon as the music hits, you're through the curtain because nobody else does that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I even saw it uh, while working. Well, still working behind the curtain myself. Like I see it all the time. I'm just like, good lord, like. This guy takes forever getting to the ring, and it's just like you, you've already lost the crowd at that point, like like you said, because they're just like, hey, man, we don't want to wait this long. Let's 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 get yeah. with action, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, everybody shouldn't do that, but but oh, well, you know, yeah. everybody shouldn't do anything, right? Like, you've got to differentiate yourself from somebody else. It's like, uh, you know, a lot of people are very um, – a lot of people feel like wrestlers ought to be in tights, right? Trunks, tights. Well, Austin would would wear trunks sometimes, but sometimes he would come out in those god awful tight cut off jean shorts. But yeah. it 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 differentiated him. It was something you could see his character doing. Um, yeah. Cena ended up doing the same thing later. Um, I, I think if you can stand out, sometimes that's more important than being traditional. Yeah. Um, but it, it really just depends on how you execute it. And in the, in Austin's case, everything about his character was believable. To a large audience, there were there were people that didn't even like wrestling at the time that liked Stone Cold Steve Austin. There were people that yeah. thought wrestling was this absolute fake joke, which, I mean, it is staged. Obviously, they were correct in that aspect, but to people, there were people at the time that thought because it's staged that it was a joke. Yeah, and those people, for the most part, still were obsessed with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like they believed this guy, because how could you not? Well, it, it, and it goes back to even the old days of pro wrestling, even when um, Austin was a fan of wrestling. Um, I believe it was Black Jack Mulligan that said, um, and, well, it could have been him or, or it was someone else. I can't remember exactly. But they said, um, if I believe it, then it's real. And that's exactly what Stone Cold did. He believed that he was Richard Deklinski, basically. <laughs> I yeah. mean, let's 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 be honest. That's who Stone like. He believed he was Stone Cold, right? And and, and, and tell that honestly by his interview in this episode, just right. by him today, that he's still Stone Cold, right? To yeah, absolutely to this day. And that brings me to another quote by uh, James Drake. 
a much more recent quote that I can't make you believe that wrestling is real, but I can make you believe that I'm real. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's what Austin did for the vast majority of people because the whole, you know, wrestling stage nonsense has been going on for a long time. A lot of people have, you know, seen through the cracks and whatever. I mean, uh, we, we, you know, we covered the dark side of the ring episode on it. So, <laughs> um, you know, go, go look that one up. It's, it's a good one, but you know, there yeah. was, there've been people trying to expose the wrestling business. Just like there's people that have been exposing magic acts for years and years and years and years. It is what it is. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, th- that's okay because even when people go to a movie, right. Um, here I'll, I, I, I'll give you a perfect example in the Marvel series, which is only the biggest franchise right now in movies, you know, currently, but probably their most important character, uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Did he not like take that role and basically make it him? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it's the same exact thing pretty much. Yeah, that's that's a great point. He absolutely did that, and it's hard for you to envision somebody else being them. Exactly. Like even my uh, stepbrother, who's a who's a big comic book fan, he's even made the statement. He's like, every time I read an Iron Man comic book, I can't help but envision Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Right. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's kind of the same thing here. Is like there have been a lot of people who have tried to sort of mimic that Steve Austin magic. I mean, Becky Lynch, for example, um, uh, Kevin Owens as well. And, and it's, it's, it's cool to see it work for some people where they take little elements of his character and, you know, people kind of resonate with that. But, you know, there's, there's just a lot with that character that it's going to be hard to do again. You know, it, it's lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And they got it twice at one time. So uh, I now I do want to dig a little more into that and talk about how, how much I really like that this particular documentary focused on uh, The Rock and Austin's connection in the ring, but also out of the ring. Because their chemistry was just incredible. I mean, a lot of people consider those to be like blueprints for how you, how you pull off an amazing main event wrestling match. I mean... Some of those are considered to be the best matches of all time by a large amount of people. Yeah. Yeah, they they really are and it's because they've they just had that magic. I'll give you one that I thought was better that no one talks about really, which is their WrestleMania rematch at Backlash 99, which Austin even said is better than the Mania 15 match because um, Austin was in a better headspace going into that match than he was WrestleMania. Yeah, uh, that that is a great one. You know, I think the one my favorite is the one at seventeen. But as we've talked about, everybody hates it because of how it ends. Um, <laughs> you know, but I don't want to go into that one now. I'm, I, I like everything up until the ending. Right. I I don't. I'm surprised they didn't talk about that at all, like the heel turn in this. But once again, that circles back around to this is not a wrestling documentary. It's a documentary about a wrestler. And that's what I love about uh, their perspective on things. Yeah. So 
they talk a little bit about their chemistry in the ring. He wanted The Rock to be the person he passed the torch to. Austin's an old school guy, you know, on his way out, he wanted to, to kind of, you know, he wanted to put somebody over, which I thought was incredible. I love that he chose The Rock to do it because they, when they, when the WWF put them on a collision course with each other, that was it. That, that was money every time. And it lasted for years. Yeah. And there's, there's there's no way to beat it. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Uh, the only thing that comes close to it, but it wasn't a wrestling rivalry, which is something interesting that I'll bring up uh, a little bit later on, but Austin versus McMahon. Right. And and there's no way we could review this episode without talking about that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, how many times was the main event on Raw, not a match, but a, an Austin and McMahon segment? Because that was going to be the highest viewership. Yeah, and that's also like how most of the Raws started and everything like that. I mean, you had some of the most memorable segments with those two, but and and, and it's so funny because it's not a wrestling storyline if you think about it. It's really not. It's a TV storyline, but it was so well done that it, it checks all boxes, basically. Right. Absolutely. And and it was it was like a TV drama scenario. Yeah, it really was. And and like they said, everyone could relate to it. It right. again, it, you know, Austin didn't have to come out, "Oh, this is my dream. The man is trying to take it away from me." It, it's just we all got that you know, kind of thing. And it, it, it just, it worked on so many levels and they had such great chemistry, but I know you're probably dying to talk about, <clears throat> well, first of all, uh, Mr. McMahon, the character is uh, nothing like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mr. McMahon, the character is everything like him. <laughs> I think it's exactly him. And just as much as Steve Williams is Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> oh, and uh, also uh, his, the, the real stooge of WWE, who's going to probably be in every single documentary from here on out in this series. Brother Love. Yeah. Yeah. So I so actually I that was going to be my next question for you. Okay. What do you think about the guests that they had on here to talk about this um you know Pritchard was on here um of course uh did they have JR on here? They had yes. they, they had JR talking about uh about him, but I feel like that's all old footage. No. You, no. So they actually got him in studio for it. Yeah, that's definitely in studio because that's A and D's footage. Gotcha. Well, that's so, good. And and this was, I guarantee you, this was not shot uh, like five years ago or so. So this is definitely when he's under contract with AEW. Well, I know the documentary is is all fresh, but I just thought maybe some of the Jim Ross footage they were using seemed like it might have been, you know, from before, but. No. If not, that's fantastic. I think there was a lot of backstage stuff here that hadn't been seen before. 
that had been yeah. shot previously. Yeah. But, yeah. but it, anyway, what do you think about the guests that they had on? Is there anybody that you thought we would see and we didn't or anybody that surprised you that did show up? Well, you had to have Jr. Because him and uh, Austin are great friends, and he was probably Stone Cold's biggest fan. You could tell that even on uh, commentary. But here's my thing about JR, and it's it's an issue that I have with him on grilling JR. Um, why does he always sound like a cranky old man <laughs> with everything? Like, like, just even the way he's talking about Austin. It was real. You actually believed it. Like he's literally shouting at the camera at, at one point. I'm just like, JR, calm down. We get it. <laughs> I, I think it's, well, I think it's a combination of maybe, you know, it, it may have to do with the, his Bell's palsy that he has. He may have yeah. to put extra effort in. But I think what it probably mostly is, right. is his, you know, years and years of shouting at ringside, you know, at, and, and doing commentary. Uh, also, also, he's had to commentate about 150 hours of wrestling with uh, Excalibur sitting right next to him. So that would turn me into a pissed off old guy, too. <laughs> and he actually is an old guy. So it wasn't a tough transformation. This is true. This is uh, very true. I'll tell you the guest that I was surprised to hear from that I actually have never heard in any Stone Cold documentary um, for WWE which is his family. Like yeah. we saw his, like, I didn't even know that he actually had siblings. Like, yeah. I've never seen his brother on anything. I never like, and you saw both of them. You, you saw, uh, you saw his older and his youngest, I think. And then his sister, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I, I thought the Adam Cole being in it for like 10 seconds was weird. Um, I guess they just wanted to show like an up and coming person who admired him or whatever, but yeah, they, you know, it, it, like Kevin Owens was in it for a little bit. Um, I liked how much of Undertaker was in it. I, I love that now that he's, you know, talking and he's retired and out of character, like he's on everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's basically uh, what he's been doing this whole time. Uh, and if it funny, uh, because it started with uh, Austin. Um, I'll say this. How good this was is, like, I can't wait to see Mick Foley's. And he was in it. And I guess, you know, you have to have Foley in it because he was involved in a lot of stuff with Austin. Right, yeah. I mean, he was in involved in a lot of stuff with everybody back then. Yeah, yeah, so, so it, I, I Mick Foley tangled with everybody in the WWF in the Attitude Area. Thank, thank God, though, in this episode, and I was waiting for him to show up, but thank God he did not show up in this episode. Sam Roberts. Yeah. Which we'll get into later on, wink, wink. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, get ready for the Sam Roberts in the Booker T episode, folks. And, uh, and, and uh, hopefully just that one. Um, so uh, I want to I want to go ahead and start wrapping it up here. Before we do that, though, I want to talk about kind of Austin's path towards his exit when he's get, starting to get fed up with the industry. Um, a lot of this started. Uh, they didn't really cover this in the episode, but a lot of this started going into WrestleMania 18, the yes. match with Scott Hall. He felt like everybody else, you know, like tr so Triple H and Jericho, 
have the undisputed title match and this is big match and then the rock gets the match with hogan where a lot of people talked about austin hogan being like the dream match or austin goldberg everybody wanted to see stone cold fight goldberg in the 90s yeah and uh we could they couldn't get goldberg because you know goldberg went home and uh and, and you know collected his paycheck with like a lot of the other wcw guys did so austin was like i get scott hall I get yeah. washed up old Razor and Ramon. And then to make it even worse, originally Scott Hall was going to win that match. When they got to the venue, uh, you know, uh, Scott Hall had been out all night drinking and was still like hung over. Yep. And Austin goes to McMahon and says, look, we're changing the finish. I'm not doing it. Whereas McMahon, as we find out later, McMahon had already changed the finish, but he just let Austin think that he, you know, had changed his mind. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and, 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 and I can see why he's frustrated. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's like, hey, man, like, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have put WCW out of business. You wouldn't have won the war. You wouldn't right. have sold all of this merchandise. Your, pump, your, your company would not have gone public. In fact, your company might have died. Right. Absolutely. Like, you know, and, and, and it's just like, really? Like, you're going to beat me uh, in, in not that long of a match on Monday Night Raw with no advertisement whatsoever, no buildup, no nothing? Like, he didn't mind putting over Lesnar. It, it, it's just like, I agree with him. It's like, if you're going to have a King of the Ring tournament, why am I not facing him basically in the final of that? Why is it not me and him? Yeah, I mean, I get that they wanted to establish... Lesnar, right? Right. I, I mean, they they wanted to do that, but they already had had him like destroy the Hardy Boys two on one, and he was tearing through the whole roster. Why would you not have that be a main event at a pay per view? Because that would have sold pay per view buys. Yeah, and they always want to bring that. It's funny because they want to bring that up every time about Goldberg and Hogan on Nitro, and I'm just like, but y'all do that all the time, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this was not the place to do it as a first time matchup. I mean, the, the, the Goldberg and Hogan thing on nitro was very specifically to destroy raw in the ratings that night and sell yeah. out the Georgia dome. The, yeah. This was not calculated. This was just some junk that the writing team came up with at the last second. And it was awful. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that leaving was the right thing to do. I mean, I think what he should have got done is gone and sat down with Vince face to face and said, and, and explain where he came from. Now, if, if Vince is still wanting to do this at that point, then you sure to hell with it. Yeah. Cause you're not going to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and uh, I, I get that. I, I don't know. Um, but what I liked about it was once again, he was very honest with everything, right. you know, like, like, like again, I don't have to sit there and be like, is Austin bullshitting? Because he's not. He clearly, like, this is what he feels and everything like that. Um, and so, you know, he, he was very open about that. He said, I shouldn't have done that, basically. And um, it sucks because he let himself go during that time as well. Like, you know, he started eating poorly. He drank a lot like like a lot more than what you saw and stuff like that and you know he was having all those energy drinks and stuff like that and he just was not taking care of himself and you could tell 
Right. Yeah. I mean, he ended up in the hospital. I mean, it, it's a big deal, you know, and, and I, I think that him coming back, having that one last run, ending it, you know, at the, with, with the rocket WrestleMania 19, and then kind of walking off into the sunset, so to speak. I mean, he came back and had, you know, he was the sheriff of raw and did, you know, did a bunch of that. Those really cool things, but I really loved the him versus Bischoff. Oh era. yeah. That, that whole thing was incredible. Oh um, yeah. You know, because, that, that was actually the, the, the co-GMs is probably one of my favorite eras in, in raw history. I, 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 I can agree with that because, uh, it was so damn entertaining. It, it, it right. just was so funny. And, and he was able to show, uh, that side and, and, Here's another thing. I can understand why he got frustrated with creative because, again, you know, this is why I said, you know, I kind of disagree with you about WrestleMania. Like, he just, he never should have gone uh, full heel because it wasn't going to work. It, it, it was, JR puts it, you know, uh, pretty much the right way. He says, it's like turning John Wayne, you know, in into a Nazi. Who's going to buy that? No one. They're just, they're not going to buy it. And no one bought Stone Cold being a heel. <laughs> it's like. Right. They, Pretty much the only person, the only person that they, they would cheer over him at the time was The Rock. And the and as we've talked about, The Rock left. Yeah. He wasn't there. Now, had it been, you know, Austin joins up with McMahon to shit all over The Rock. It that's that's a different worked. thing. That 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 would have worked. That's a different thing. Exactly. It it, it probably would have worked in that instance. However, he he left to go do the movie, and then during the invasion angle, they turn him face for one week, and then they have him go to the alliance angle because they need more star power in the WCW and ECW camp. I mean, you go back and you look at creative around that time, man, and it's just like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? Like, literally, you have some of the greatest storyline opportunities right in front of you. The fans are even trying to tell you what to book, and you're just not doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was, it, it was awful. Yeah. So, I mean, we know how this story ends. We know that he got into doing the podcast and which is incredible. Oh yeah. We, know, we, you know, I really liked that they showed what he started doing after the fact. Um, so, so that being said, what's your closing thoughts on this one? And what do you think about, you know, are, are you, after seeing this one, are you excited for what's to come? Obviously we have a bit of a, of a two hour spoiler, <laughs> you know, that yeah. everybody else isn't privy to, but uh, just closing thoughts. What did you think about this? Well, first of all, Stone Cold Steve Austin um, literally is one of my favorites of all time. Um, it goes Sting first, but then right after him comes Stone Cold Steve Austin, because I I remember like how much I, I remember as a kid, right. The Attitude Era and stuff like that. I wasn't really allowed to stay up and watch Monday Night Raw. I was able to watch like the Saturday morning shows where they would only talk about Austin versus McMahon because anybody could watch that storyline. It didn't matter whether you were a kid or not. You could watch that storyline and, and you could still 
relate to it uh, and stuff like that. But I wasn't allowed to have like the videos or anything like that at the time. Yeah, back when they had VHSs <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, for Christmas, right, I got the Austin versus McMahon video. And it's basically a documentary of Austin versus McMahon. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, that's probably my favorite video of all time because it, it, it like it was the first wrestling video that I owned and stuff like that. And it had every cuss word, like it was uncensored. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Mine was the old WCW best of DDP VHS tape. Yeah. And yeah. that probably explains everything. I got that after the fact, but I, I just like, I, I remember I got that um, one thing. And then like, I would get every Stone Cold Steve Austin action figure. Um, I mean, he truly is probably the biggest star uh, in the history of the business and everything. And I, I like the fact that they captured it, but it's funny. If you really think about it, WWE's biggest star, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I mean, you could throw The Rock in there, but I'm saying in, in this instance, Stone Cold Steve Austin and WCW's biggest star, Goldberg, had almost the same amount of like on top. Right. Which was not very long. Well, it, well and that's the term, you know, lightning in a bottle. It's, it, you can't stretch anything that good out forever. If yeah. Austin, let's just say Austin never retired and he's still wrestling full time in 2010, 2015, it, it's not going to be as good. Look at how long Cena was on top and how many years, not, not, not episodes, how many years of that did you just want to claw your eyes out every time he came on camera? Yeah. You, you always want to leave them wanting more and not the other way around. Yeah, they, they can't miss you if you won't go away, is the saying. And, and, and you know, that's funny because Austin went away. I mean, yeah. he went away for a year. And remember, like, that's why I said it, it, it was definitely a bad idea to turn him heel because he went away and people were like, oh, he's back now. And since The Rock's going away, well, now we can fall in love with Austin again kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I mean... You can't you can't stretch anything out like that forever. It it doesn't work today like it did you know in the eighties when they did it with Hogan, and and even then Hogan was on top for the longest. But I, I back then you didn't see every week Hulk Hogan wasn't coming out and having a match for the title or anything. Exactly. You know, whereas today it's like oh we got to put these people these these people got to be in front of a camera for twenty two minutes a week. You know. Uh, most sane people don't look in the mirror for that long. Yeah, you know? yes, no, I, I I agree. In fact, I've said that about wrestling for a while now. It's like I don't even understand why they're every single week and why they don't take a break. Because I mean, you know, let, let's take Game of Thrones for instance. I'm not talking about the ending or whatnot, but remember every year that Game of Thrones took a seasonal break, you know, like, like after the season finale, how much, how much of a buildup then was the next season? Right. And, and, and just, that's the perfect analogy because if they had, if they had closed it up before they did, 
They just had to get that one more season in there, and it ruined everything. Yeah, they they could have taken their ball and gone home, and uh, and people would still be there. Would be people having massive panels at conventions wanting the show to come back. Well, it, I mean, you know, you, you could even look at a show like The Mandalorian and stuff like that. How much are we all like dying to see season three right now? Right, and we got like eight months before it starts. Exactly, but so. it, it's kind of like, why doesn't wrestling take a break? So right. Yeah, I, I would love for wrestling to have seasons. Yeah. I would absolutely love for them to to have a season, and and to run like, you know, like March to November. Yeah. You know, you'd have to move WrestleMania around because you don't want to. You can't start with your biggest show. You'd have to swap like Survivor Series and WrestleMania, but that yeah. that would be fantastic. And then you'd have a break. Everybody would get to go home. And uh, and I just I think it would do the industry a ton of good. Um, yeah. And then you know, but I think that goes back to that that endless competition. It's like okay, if WWE closes down for three months and doesn't run anything, right? Then. First off, their their advertising partners will lose their mind. But second off, you've got, you know, what's AEW going to be doing? What's NWA going to be doing? What's New Japan going to be doing? You know, other people are going to be running during that time. So, yeah, I. But I mean, to me, that could help everything. Yeah. Even you know, it it, it just I I just think there does need to be. Oh, I agree. Uh, in it because i mean you know before we wrap up you know we forgot to mention that it focused a lot of that on stone cold steve austin which he's never really kind of talked about that much uh in interviews and stuff like that you know he he doesn't really talk about his divorce or his daughters or or anything like that or how much of a strain that took on his family life because, I mean, I mean, you could tell that, you know. And I think it's still pretty strained because they could have had them on, but they, they weren't there. Yeah. So, and you yeah. talked about them being in the UK and everything. And that might have been a, a part of it, you know, travel restrictions and things right now. But Well, yeah, it could have been. Know. But anyway, this one was a blast to do. Yeah. I want to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, the next one that we're going to be recording is the Booker T episode. However, the next one that's going to be airing uh, on A&E is actually going to be the Roddy Piper one. That's coming up this coming Sunday. Um, we will be covering all of these, and that's going to lead us right back up into Dark Side of the Ring Season 3, which we are incredibly excited for. I'm excited um, about this whole thing, man. I mean, yeah. Roddy, Roddy Piper is up next. You know, like, dude, I this is one of the first times that they have announced a series where I am generally excited about seeing every single person in these documentaries. Yeah. The Mick Foley episode, especially. I, I think that's the one that I oh. may be looking forward to the most. Oh, I, I mean, dude, I, I, I can't pick which one at this point I'm more excited uh, about. I mean, cause even the dark side of the ring, you know, there were some that, that we didn't cover because they were just not that interesting, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially from yeah, I think we did everything. No, no, uh, so we oh. skipped a few in season two as well. Yeah, they. Oh yeah, they were just they were rough. There was there was a couple that we just we didn't want to talk about them for, you know, for forty well, minutes. I, or I knew nothing about them. 
and stuff like that. But, but all of these guys that they're talking about in this legend series, I know everything about these guys. Well, Man. you know, I'll everything, almost I, everything. I know, you know, I, I like, like these are guys that I grew up watching and stuff like that. So this is going to be fun. I'm excited for the Rowdy Piper one. I am excited for the Mick Foley one, the Shawn Michaels one, uh, Randy Savage. I'm, God, dude, like it's just, it's so good. I can't yeah. wait. Agreed. I cannot wait. And I can't wait for Dark Side of the Ring, like you said, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Caleb, thanks for joining me here uh, on the show each and every week. Absolutely. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to be back uh very quickly uh you know to cover these as they come out each and every week too so um yeah thanks for being here and uh as always this has been an evolved review <laughs>